Chapter 21 I spun around. It was Hawksworth, coming right at me, a six-shooter clutched in his fist. Get down! Mary Margaret screamed and pushed Sarah down between the seats of the excursion. The gravel beside me flew into the air as a bullet struck the ground, and I leaped between two parked cars, stumbling on the loose stone. Pain shot through my arm as I fell, making me lose my grip on my Glock. Hawksworth was on top of me in a second, kicking my gun from my hand and under an adjoining car. I froze as he straddled my torso with his thick, bullish legs, my hands on either side of my head. I looked up. He had his gun trained right on my forehead. You wouldn't leave it alone, would you, Fitzhugh? He pulled back the trigger. What, and let a louse of a father like you ruin that kid's life? Kid. Kid. That lousy little crackhead stands in the way of everything I want. You and your ex-wife have been fighting over control of that business for the better part of Sarah's life. Did you ever think that maybe if you can it fits you? Don't feed me your shit. Who's feeding who? Everything that came out of your goddamn mouth was a lie. Just like the fact that it was you who built the company, not Charmaine's father. What secrets did your ex-wife have that made you want to kill her? That bitch told the guys back in Oklahoma to feed me bad geological studies. Because of that, I've come up dry on four sites so she can get full bore back in her control. She's been ruining me professionally, running the company into the ground so she can buy it back with Sarah's shares. I was dumbfounded. Before I could react, a woman screamed profanities from the parked car next to us. It was Sarah, running hard toward her father, sobbing. You killed Tommy Lynn. You son of a bitch. You killed the only friend I ever had. Chase whirled, his gun hands dropping to his side. In one swift, sharp move, I pulled at his legs, knocking him off balance. He dropped to the ground, and his revolver fell from his hand. He scrambled to retrieve it, but I was on top of him, pinning his arms down with my hands and kneeling on his chest. He grunted deep in his chest, and then with a roar, pushed me off of him and back into the gravel. We struggled, rolling back and forth. With one arm, I blocked his fist as he tried to take off my head. My other hand clutched his meaty face, digging my fingers into his cheeks as I tried to push him off of me. There was a click. We stopped struggling. The barrel of the revolver came between us. I let loose of his face. You bastard. Sarah pressed the gun against her father's temple. He stopped struggling, but he still held me down. Let him up. He pulled his fist back one last time, like a schoolyard bully looking to get his last lick in. She pushed the barrel against his temple harder. I'm not kidding. His fist sank. With Sarah's yank on his collar, he stood up. I scrambled to my feet and fished my Glock out from beneath the vehicle next to me. I raised it toward him, and he put his hands up. You're going to answer me now. I know what you did, and I want to hear you tell the truth. You told Nash to rough Tommy Lynn up to scare me. She wouldn't have gone in that room by herself. She didn't give lap dances. Nash told her he had information on who was threatening me and told her he wanted to tell her. Didn't he? Chase said nothing. Then on Thursday, when she took my car out for cigarettes, you were waiting for her, weren't you? What if I was? He had a smirk on his face. Answer me, you bastard. Answer me. She was shaky, but she kept the gun on him. Answer her, motherfucker. Answer her or I'll be the one to blow your fucking brains out. His eyes shifted between Sarah and me. The odds of Sarah hitting a car in Diva's parking lot were better than hitting her father, even as he stood right in front of her. He knew I'd kill him, and it would only take one shot. You hijacked her when he was driving my car, and you killed her. Then you set that car on fire. Didn't you? Yes. Yes, I did. His tone was poisonous.
I spent thousands of dollars, thousands, to get you everything in this world. I pay for your schooling. I pay to get you out of jail. Every time you decide you're done getting blasted out of your goddamn mind or whatever shit you decide to put in your body. The longer he spoke, the louder he got. I damn near bankrupt myself trying to fix whatever it is you've got wrong in that goddamn head of yours and what thanks do I get? You run around with murderers, strippers, and queers. Strippers and queers! Those strippers and queers were better people than you or mom ever were. They were more family to me than you'll ever be. I ought to shoot you right here. More footsteps pounded behind us. It was Steve Jones, his pirate's hat flying off as he ran. Put the gun down, ma'am. You two fits, we got this. Sarah and I complied. Jones spun Hawksworth around and cuffed him. Mary Margaret was suddenly beside Sarah, who collapsed, sobbing into her arms. Jones and I walked Hawksworth back to the FPD cruiser. We were nearly there when Barnes pulled up, slamming his unmarked into park before the wheels stopped moving. The car's body lurched forward and back as Barnes threw open the driver's side door. What did I tell you, Fitz? Having me sit there at her apartment waiting for this asshole when he's here the whole time? What if I told you we thought he got here right after you did and he's been waiting for you and Sarah in the parking lot? Well, we got him. What about Nash? Hey, he turned himself in earlier this afternoon. He's facing assault and intimidation charges at minimum, federal hate crime charges at most. It's in the hands of your favorite lady prosecutor and his lawyer, but I have a feeling Nash will tell Alicia everything she wants to hear and more to stay out of prison. Thanks for everything, Fitz. My favorite lady prosecutor. The term had a certain ring to it. I smiled crookedly and slapped Barnes on the back. The words were out of my mouth before I realized it. My favorite. I guess she is. He gave me a smirk. I was wondering how long it would take you to admit it. The next evening, Alicia was at my door with Chinese takeout in one hand and a bottle of champagne in the other. We didn't even say hello. Clutching the champagne and the food, she threw her arms around me, her lips meeting mine in a passionate kiss. She wasn't wearing any underwear. I found that out when my hands ran down her back, inching up the hem of her flower-covered cotton skirt. Oh my. Yes. Oh my. I kissed her again, deep and hard. We pulled back, not breaking our embrace, and smiled at each other. I got my indictments on the church embezzlement. All the charges against all the suspects. That's great, I said, not really giving a shit. All I wanted was her touch, the taste of her skin, the warmth of her body. My lips moved down her neck to her shoulder, pushing the straps of her sundress down her arms. She threw her head back as my lips moved down toward her breasts. Suddenly she pulled away, holding the food and champagne between us. You want to have some dinner first? Hell no. I pulled her close again and nibbled on her neck. You sure? Nothing worse than cold chicken fried rice. That's why we have microwaves. I reached around her with a quick move to lift her off her feet. Not yet. Put me down. Just for a minute or two. I'm hungry. The back of my head felt like it was going to blow off. I let go of her, trying to curtail the hound dog in me, knowing it couldn't be controlled for long, but knowing, too, I wasn't in charge. She pulled out the takeout boxes and chopsticks from the paper bag and set them on the coffee table. She opened the fried rice and patted the cushion beside her. Come here and sit down. With practiced agility, she held the chopsticks in one hand and the fried rice container in the other. You know how to use these? No clue. 
I have enough trouble with a spoon and fork. I sat down next to her. What I'm hungry for isn't food. Moving the chopsticks between her finger and thumb, she picked up some chicken, covered in rice and sticky with sauce. Come here. I'll show you how to do it. I leaned in, playing along, and opened my mouth. She dropped the chicken on my tongue and followed it up with another bite, then licked an errant grain of rice from my lips as I chewed. Hmm. Now you try. I jabbed one chopstick through a piece of chicken. This was going to be the fastest meal ever. Does that count? No. She took my hand and gently adjusted my fingers around the chopstick, helping me move them to grasp the slippery meat. It took a couple tries. Every time the food fell back into the paper carton, she laughed and kissed me. Do we really have to do this? I buried my head in her neck and reached for her breast. I have something else on the docket, Counselor. Not yet, Fitz, not yet. One more try. I tried again, her hand around mine. This time it worked. I had a wad of rice and vegetables between the two bamboo sticks. She looked me in the eye and took the food into her mouth, chewing slowly. Still helping my hand correctly clutch the chopsticks, with her eyes meeting mine, she languidly licked the remaining rice from the chopstick. Holy shit. The fried rice fell onto the carpet as I lunged for her, lesson over. She laughed. I pulled her close, the hem of her dress working its way up to her waist. Making love with Gracie had been elegant, sublime, yet athletic like her. I was learning sex with Alicia was aggressive, maybe a little rough, and she was in charge. Was it tacky to compare the two? I'd been with enough women who experienced a lot of different things, some a little kinky, some downright weird. With Alicia, I wasn't the one calling the shots. I was off balance, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. Her hands undid my belt and zipper, and she worked my pants down to my knees with her foot as I rolled us onto our sides on the narrow couch. She pushed me onto my back and straddled me, her soft bare legs along my ribs. She lifted the sundress over her head and, gloriously naked, smiled down at me. I don't think I said hello when I came in the door. She ran her hands inside my shirt. I'd say it's a moot point. I reached up and removed her glasses. Hello, Fitz. She arched her eyebrows, bit her lips seductively. Then she moved her hips, just slightly. I gasped, and I knew we were both right where we wanted to be. An hour later, I was in my bathrobe, running a towel through Alicia's hair after we'd both showered in the upstairs bathroom. I pulled her close and kissed the back of her wet head. She turned and wrapped her arms around my waist, snuggling into my chest. I should get dressed and go. I can't let anyone see me leave here in the morning. No, stay. There, I said it. Was I finally ready to take the plunge? Ready to start all over again? I want someone to be there next to me when I wake up. And right now, I want it to be Alicia. Suddenly, I remembered the picture of Gracie beside my bed, and my stomach sank. Was I just reacting like the dog I was and forgetting the woman who had been the love of my life? Alicia looked up at me and smiled. What have I done? Maybe I will. She took me by the hand and led me out into the hallway. My bedroom, the one I'd shared with Gracie and the one where Alicia and I first had drunken sex, was down the hall and to the left of us. 
She turned right. I really don't remember where your bedroom is, Fitz. I didn't say anything. Maybe we'll end up in the guest room. She took a few more steps as I trailed behind. She lay her hand on the doorknob to Gracie's office. My stomach sank as fear grew into my stomach. Please, no, don't. You can't go in there. Why, silly? Just don't. She twisted the doorknob and arched her eyebrows deviously. What's in there? You have a playroom like Christian Grey, all whips and chains and fur handcuffs? That might be kind of fun. Don't open that door, Alicia. I'm serious. What are you hiding from me? A switch flipped in her demeanor. She stared at me like I was a guilty defendant on the witness stand. She turned the knob a little farther. The hinges squeaked slightly as the door began to open. I clapped my hand over hers. I'm not hiding anything. I just don't want that door opened. She pulled her hand out from underneath mine. I pulled the door closed again. What's in there that you don't want anyone to see? She pulled her towel around her tighter and folded her arms across her bosom. I think I deserve an answer. It's a long story. I'm just not ready to talk about it. It's Gracie, isn't it? Yes. I hung my head. It was her office. I haven't opened that door since the day she died. So what have we got going here? Friends with benefits? Nothing more? I was starting to think that we had... I cut her off. Listen, honey. I'm sorry. Maybe we're all wrong. Maybe I'm not ready for a relationship after all. Her face fell. Fitz. No. Please. We've had this electricity between us for a long, long time. You haven't given us enough time to say we're done. There's something here. I shook my head. If I couldn't open one door in my house because of the ties it had to my late wife, how could I open the door to my heart and let someone else in? Yes, there is. I'd be lying if I said anything different. But you deserve someone better than me, Alicia. Someone who's not just a... Someone who's willing to give you what you want. A husband. Kids. She just rolled her eyes. Okay, maybe not kids, but you get my point. I'm 20 years older than you, at least. So? I don't care about your age, and I don't want a husband. I want you. She wrapped her arms around me again. When this whole thing started, you said you wanted to be sure you didn't just have a thing for bad boys. That you just weren't throwing away a perfectly nice guy like... What did you call him? Probate boy. Tears were cresting in her eyes. I wanted to wipe them away, but I knew this was the right thing to finally do. I unwrapped her arms from around me and stepped back. Yeah, probate boy. You deserve somebody like him. Not somebody who's got baggage or commitment issues. Go back to him, Alicia. You deserve somebody better than me.